Mike and Jesse talk about sports, the sports cards market, and how to make money with this hobby on sports cards nonsense. They'll let you know who you should be buying and selling and give you the occasional fantasy football advice. Check out Sports Cards Nonsense on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The MLB season is in full swing and you can step up to the plate with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, bet the live same-game parlays for every MLB game and track your game and bets live with box scores and play-by-play. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Coming up on part two of this Sunday night New York, New York double dip. Quite the statement by the big three up in Boston. You knew Kyrie was going to be under the gun to his credit. What a performance. 100-plus points for the big three and whooping the Boston Celtics. The Mets, they only played one game this weekend, but their lead in the National League East grew wider. What a time to be a Mets fan. What a time to be an F fan. Yeah, I know. I still have some sour grapes about my Knicks and my Yankees. We got a lot more voicemails coming up. We have our resident Met Nick fan. The great Sean Fennessy is going to check in. All that more. New York, New York, presented by our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. It's coming up next. Part two, New York, New York, Sunday night, double dip. And I got a lot of the angst out of my system in part one of our doubleheader. And maybe it's because that was fresh off my Knickerbockers and my Yankees losing in humiliating fashion. The Knicks now facing elimination against the Hawks. The Yankees, an absolute pathetic, disgraceful, Whatever negative adjective you want to place in to describe their offense, you can do that. And, you know, I got a buddy who texted me, listening to a podcast a minute ago, said to me, JJ, it seems like you were more angry and more ticked off about the Yankees than you were the Knicks. And maybe in my voice, you could hear that anger a little bit more. The Knicks have exceeded my expectations and then some for this year. So I'm bummed about this series. I'm disappointed about this series. I'm ticked off they haven't played well. I never was delusional enough in thinking that this was a championship team. And I know they've overachieved all year. So it's tough to get on a team like that. The Yankees, on the other hand, have been knocking at the door the last four or five years. And my fear is that they're moving further away from a championship and not closer to a championship. So that's where a lot of that anger comes out of me where I all of a sudden turn into the Incredible Hulk. I go from being gentle Bruce Banner to this crazy green guy yelling and screaming like a lunatic. So there is a method to my madness for those of you keeping score at home. Now, the forgotten basketball team in town made quite the statement in game four of their series against the Boston Celtics. And I, for one, fully expected this to be the case. I talked about this on Sports Night with my girl Maria Marino. We were on yesterday. I illustrated why I loved Brooklyn laying eight and a half against the Celtics after Tatum dropped 50 points. And the storyline going into the game was Kyrie Irving dealing with a full house in the TD Bank Garden for the first time since leaving the Celtics. And it was as hostile, as nasty, as angry a crowd as I expected it to be. The Celtics fed off that in the first quarter. The Celtics got off to an incredible start. But when that first quarter ended, and it is only a one-point game, 
you got a sense that Brooklyn was ready to rock and roll second quarter and beyond. And what you saw from there on out is that the big three, Durant, Kyrie, Harden, flat out unstoppable. I mean, the three of them combined for 104 total points in this ballgame. This was a we're not messing around type of game from the Brooklyn Nets. And you want to know why you got that out of Brooklyn? Not only the loss on Friday night, but because of what happened in the Milwaukee-Miami series. NBA players know what's going on around the league. They can tell you they don't, but it's a bunch of crap. It's a bunch of bullshit. We all know they're aware of what's going on. Brooklyn knows Milwaukee's waiting for us. We don't want to have to mess around and play additional games in this series. Let's get it done. And when those big three are cooking like that, they're awfully, awfully, awfully tough to stop. I'm no fan of Kyrie Irving. I think anybody who listens to this podcast, anybody who's listened to me on the radio for the last nine years can tell you that, especially after the last year. I am not going to be waving the Kyrie Irving pom-poms. Here's one thing I cannot deny. The skill is spectacular. The talent is off the charts. Kyrie Irving had a so-so game three. He didn't have a so-so game four, I can tell you that. 11 to 24, 39 points, 11 rebounds. That was a beastly performance, knowing that he was in the pressure cooker of Boston. And I don't like to defend Kyrie Irving because it kind of bothers me. I like to root against him. But the clown who threw a water bottle at him as he was leaving the court should never go to a Celtic game ever again. That is embarrassing behavior. No ifs. No ends, no buts. He should never go to a game ever again. And he got arrested. So good. I'm glad he got arrested. Let him rot in a detention cell for the next 24 hours. As he's thinking of JMO or maybe a couple of Bud Lights. I don't know. Got to be accountable for your behavior. Listen, I'm not trying to lecture people. I definitely have gone to games and I've yelled and screamed at people. That's one thing. You don't throw anything at anybody. What kind of nonsense is that? And this is not coming from Kyrie Irving's biggest fan. Trust me on that. So the Nets... They don't mess around. Incredible performance across the board on offense. They're going to have to play better defense, though, against the big boys. Their defense, even in this first quarter, not great. That'll be problematic against Milwaukee in the next round. And that'll be problematic against my guy, Joel Embiid, in Philadelphia in a potential Eastern Conference final. But that's exactly what the Nets needed. That's a we're not fucking around type of game. That's exactly what you saw. Now, the other story we have not talked about here in the New York sports land, the New York Metropolitans, who have dealt with injury after injury after injury. They've dealt with shutdowns. They've dealt with rainouts. No team, I feel, has been in a spot. Now, I, I could be corrected on this, but it feels like the Mets are just so far behind everybody else when it comes to games played. I mean, even look at the National League East. They've played 45 games. The Braves have played 50. The Phillies have played, what, 53. Marlins have played 52. And I know the Mets had that first series wiped out against the Nationals, but the point being is this. Despite all of their injuries, despite some of this adversity, this team is finding ways to win ballgames. 25 and 20, they've won four in a row. They get bagged on Friday night. They get bagged on Sunday night. But they're not 3-1 against the Atlanta Braves this year. I know, it's only a one-game series. I wish there was more baseball that we could actually react to. But the Mets probably had one of their best games of the year. Saturday night. Taiwan Walker was awesome. Everybody in the Met lineup had a hit. Cameron Maven actually got his first hit in a Met uniform. What a concept. McCann has looked a lot better ever since they moved them out from behind the plate and they've given them reps at first base with everybody injured. It's like gotten his swing down. And even so, indoor shockingly, go and get your home run. They're pitching really well. They're taking advantage of what right now has been a slow and sluggish start for the National League East. And they got the worst team in baseball coming up over the next couple of days. Series in which they should get fat against the Arizona Diamondbacks before what is going to be a terrific test against Mr. Tatis, Mr. Machado, and those free will and 
San Diego Padres. I'm looking forward, very much looking forward to staying up for a couple of those games next week. And you know, I will be. That's how I roll. But if you're a Mets fan, you're feeling good. You're still wondering what your baseball team is, but it's Memorial Day and the Mets are in first place in the National League East. And with everything that has gone wrong for this baseball team, you gladly, gladly take it. So for our nightcap, we got Sean Fennessy coming up on Met, Nick, Jet, aficionado from the ringer. He's down in the dumps probably about his Knicks. Should be giddy about his Mets. We got more voicemails. Ton of voicemails coming up. Reaction to what we saw earlier this afternoon. I'm sure the Net fan will chime in. And we're also going to set the stage for the week with the NBA and the NHL playoffs. The Islanders coming off their tough loss in game one against the Bruins. And whether or not they have a pulse in this series moving forward. All that more. Nightcap. Literal nightcap. A New York, New York. It's part two of the doubleheader right here on the Ringer Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by 7-Eleven. Cold slurpy drinks and a hot summer day are a match made in heaven. And your favorite refreshment just got even better. Let's talk about 7-Eleven's $1 small slurpy drink with seven rewards. It's the classic frozen fizzy treat you can't get anywhere else. I'm a blue raspberry guy. Just know that about me. Know that I'm going to be going forward anytime there's a drink like this. I'm in on the blue raspberry. If you're feeling thirsty, feeling thirsty right now. How about going to visit a 7-Eleven valid through 1725? 7-Eleven has the right to end this promotion early, plus tax. Participating U.S. stores see app for full terms. All rights reserved. Big weekend for the Knicks. Didn't go according to plan. And the New York Mets are missing their entire team, but yet they're in first place. Rockstar, Sean Fantasy, welcome back to New York, New York. What's going on, dude? What's up, JJ? Thanks for having me back. Um, you haven't been a stranger, though. You participate in a locker room. I see you tweeting up a storm. I'm in a group chat with me, you, and Bill. I mean, I, I, I feel like you and I have been like kindred spirits here throughout this Nick run. And we were riding the high on Wednesday. And I think it's fair to say it has crashed down in a dramatic way over the last few days. I'm feeling really low, really, really low. I'm not really sure where we're supposed to go at this point. What do you, what do you think the next move is? Are they getting another win here? If they don't get another win, are we devastated by that? How are you? Uh, I'm not. I'm at the point now, fantasy, where I'm expecting a loss at any moment. So yep. it might be in game five. I think it depends on what Atlanta wants to do with this game. Are they prioritizing sticking it to the Knicks at Madison Square Garden? Or if they get off to a slow, sluggish type start that they say, you know what, not our night. We're going to you know, call off the dogs and we'll see you Friday in Atlanta and take care of business then. I don't know if it ends in five or six, but fantasy, this is not the cynic and the skeptic in me talking. This series is over. They're just completely outmatched from a talent perspective. It's unbelievable how much I, I underestimated the quality of player that they oh, had you on this both. team. Now, fantasy, I was always of the mindset that Young was the best player in the series. But with the way the Knicks got after it on D, with the way Randall had played all year, with home court advantage, with Tibbs, I thought there were plenty of avenues for the Knicks to go and win this series. And dude, you watch these two games. Really, you watch three of the four games. It's been obvious. Atlanta's a much better team. Yeah, it's why game one was such a missed opportunity because that chance to steal one, if you're sitting 2-2 right now, or you might even be sitting 3-1 right now if you were able to grab game one and kind of deflate the Hawks. But you can see when they get rolling, whether it's Bogdanovich, whether it's Collins, whether it's Hunter, they just have a ton of firepower aside from Trey. And, you know, the offense has been so hard to come by for the Knicks in many ways all season long. But right now in this series, you can see the Hawks are long. They're tenacious. They're playing really good defense. They have a really good mindset and a really good plan for how to deal with Randall, how to deal with RJ, and it feels, it just feels a little hopeless watching these guys right now. This series has highlighted to me the difference between Atlanta and the Knicks, not just at the guard spot. They got so many different dudes who can shoot the ball. And fantasy, I kind of got suckered in at the end of the year when the Knicks were banging a whole lot of threes, thinking and maybe saying to myself, maybe their shooting's a little bit better than I thought. Maybe they've come a long way. I think it was a three-week small sample size, and the team that I had fears of at the beginning of the year is not a team I'm seeing right now. And that's why when you think about the offseason, dude, they have to become more dynamic as a shooting team. And it's modern-day NBA. If you cannot shoot the basketball, you're not winning playoff series. Case closed. 
Yeah, I'm still I'm trying to wrap my mind around what they're supposed to do, because on the one hand, you got incredible contributions this season from guys who, you know, we're not necessarily off the scrap heap, but we're not necessarily top tier free agents. Burks, you got Reggie Bullock, you got Nerlens Noel. Noel obviously has emerged as a pretty important piece for this team, especially with Mitchell Robinson out all season. But how do you how do you grow? How do you evolve? How do you take that Bullock spot? And 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 jump up a level. Is there is there another shot creator? Is there another three point shooter that's going to meaningfully contribute to a team that's on the mar- going to be on the market? I'm not sure that there is. They're going to have to get really creative because it's a very oddly constructed team that was coached up to a T that also had a player emerge in a meaningful way across the season. And Randall, and obviously we're seeing Randall come back to earth in a big way. So I'm, I I just genuinely don't have any clear sense of what the strategy is going to be in the off season to capitalize on this big jump they had. And you think about this series, the number one takeaway that most people are going to have is that Julius Randle was thoroughly outplayed by Trey Young and that Julius Randle has stunk up the joint. I mean, the fact that Julius Randle shoots like 35% from the field and it's like significant improvement over what it was in the first three games kind of fantasy. That kind of tells us where we're at, bro, where I see him shooting 40 or 35% from the field. I'm like, wow, that's, that's a major step up. But here's my fear now. You go into next year, and listen, the Knicks are going to have plenty of time to think about their path, their plan, whatever for the offseason. I think they're absolutely insane, though, if they go and give Julius Randle a max contract right here and right now. I am letting him play out his contract, and I'm saying, all right, big fella, go do this again, get better in the postseason, and then maybe we'll talk about a max deal. And, dude, you and I haven't seen all-star players for the Knicks, so I understand this is like a very weird, delicate type of balance that we got to strike. But you and I both know Julius Randle's not a one on a championship caliber team. I don't even know if Julius Randle's the number two on a championship caliber team. I just didn't see this kind of performance coming. I felt like a lot of what he was doing was translatable to a playoff atmosphere because he was creating his own shot most of the time. Now, that is a little bit of their Achilles heel right now is they can't score out of ISO, but... I, he looks lost. I mean, his confidence is just shattered, and you can see him lashing out at the end of this game today. And I, it, it, it's very, very concerning. I, we knew that he was not a number one on a championship team before this series started. There were no championship hopes. You've been talking about this for weeks. A, a, a single series win would have been beautiful for this club. But I'm happy for the minutes that, and the experience that RJ is getting. I'm happy for the minutes and the experience that IQ is getting. And he played better today, Barrett. I thought he, did. he played a lot he better. Did. He hit some shots. And you notice, Fennessy, when he saw it going in from two, then all of a sudden it started going in from three because he gained a little bit of confidence. He was starting to feel his oats once again. I- I'm not pressing a panic button here on Barrett. I'm with you there a thousand percent. And I'm still, listen, as down, as disappointed as I may be, bro, this is still a hell of a year. Like the Knicks oh, yeah. can lose Wednesday. I don't want to hear from any Nick fan this season was a failure because I don't think they're seeing the bigger picture. That's nonsense to me. It wasn't at all, but to just get your ass kicked for and lose by 25 in a yeah, playoff it game, it sucks. It's a horrible feeling. We remember we went through this, you know, eight years ago. We watched the, you know, the Pacers kick our teeth in at times too. And that was tough. And this is tough. I just, I can't help but think about the future because there are two or three young guys in this club that I'm really, really excited about. I'm really, really... I, Obi Toppin dropped 13 in a playoff game today. I, want to I did see not expect more. that to it's happen. A, fantasy, if you would have told me a week ago that we'd be having a conversation before game five and that JJ and Sean Fantasy would agree <laughs> on the fact that we want Obi Toppin to play more minutes, we would have looked at each other saying, well, what are you guys drinking tonight? Too much bourbon, <laughs> I guess. You know? Well, it's either a great sign or a horrible sign. And unfortunately, it's a horrible sign for how the team's doing. But still, I, I like that there are some young players on this team that are showing a lot of promise. G- Julius is just, it's a pickle. Because he's, he's going to make $20 million next year. I think you're right. You can't extend him. He's going to play out the season. And then where are you? What are you? What kind of team are you? Are you still this team that is hard-nosed, hardworking, defense first. Can you really compete in the NBA right now with the way that the league is structured? The Hawks are built like a modern NBA franchise. No doubt. Tons of shooting, an incredible playmaker, and a big oak tree in the middle of the court who can catch lobs. I mean, they are built perfectly. Now, maybe they're not going to be the Warriors. Maybe they're not going to be the Lakers. But the, the structure, the design of that team feels like what the league is right now. The Knicks, as lovable as they were, as inspiring as they were this season, they're not built like any other team in the league right now. So there's a lot that's going to shake out, but I'm still, I'm happy for what we got out of these guys this year. Who are you putting more blame on for this series at this point? 
Randall or Tibbs? Well, I, I have been really surprised that they have not attacked Trey Moore on the oh, offensive the pick side. And roll. That's the I'm, biggest, biggest complaint that I have with Tibbs here in this series. Now, again, the Knicks don't have the guards to exploit it the way they don't. Know, another team might be able to do it. So I, I, I understand that dynamic, but please make them work a little bit on D, knowing how easy a time he's having it on the other side of the floor. I agree with you. I think it's a tough challenge because they're giving Rose so many minutes, and Rose has been terrific, but he's obviously not a defense-first player at this phase of his career. He can't really give Trey a lot of problems. They're not playing smokes. They just have not played Nilakina at all, and without without playing Nilakina, I don't really know how you give Trey a problem here. I, so... I think that's on Tibbs. I think also I, they needed to make an adjustment halfway through game three when it was clear that Randall didn't have it to reorient the offense a little bit more through RJ, a little bit more through Burks, a little bit more through Rose because there were just, Randall has taken so many bad looks in the last three games that it's, it's a, it's, that's a decision that the coach ultimately has to make. And while, while he trusts his guy and his guy got him to this point, uh, Julius has looked borderline unplayable in the last two games. So I think it ultimately is on Tibbs, but you know what? Tibbs is dealing with a, he's, he's, he's playing against a stack deck. He's playing against a much more talented team and he's doing the best that he can. Will it mean a lot to you? I know with the Yankee and the Astros series a couple of years ago, I went to game five. They were down three games to one. I was fully of the expectation that the Yankees are losing, even though I emotionally bet the Yankees. Uh, maybe I had a couple of pops at the bodega and decided, <laughs> you know, we're betting the Yankees one last ride. And when they won that game leaving Yankee Stadium, there was like a sense of satisfaction. I didn't think they were going to win the series. They gave me a reason to hope for game six. Yeah, they broke my heart, the uh, Altuve home run. But they ended up losing in somebody else's stadium. Does it matter a ton to Sean Fennessy? I know it does to yours truly that the Knicks don't see their season come to a close at Madison Square Garden. Do you feel that way? 100%. We don't want a gentleman sweep. I'm not here for that. I, I'd like to see another win. Oh, you remember how euphoric I was just a few nights ago. One win meant the world to me, so I would love to see them get another win. We want to get think, suckered back in, right? We yes. want to be suckered to a point on Friday night, despite everything we have said in this podcast, where you and I can get delusional, dare to dream, and envision a Sunday at Madison Square Garden. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, what I really want to see is RJ drop 35 in a playoff game and Have show me that he like could be that. a guy. That's what I really, really want. Obviously, you'd like to see Julius bounce back and get some more confidence, but if RJ is the future of the team, and in many ways he kind of has to be, have a big game. Go off. Embarrass John Collins for once. Show him that you got a little bit of little muscle, a little might, a little gumption. I really want to see that. So, yeah, of course, a win would be huge. You want to explain this to me because I'm trying to figure it out and maybe you can shed some insight and some ringer perspective. You know, I'm new at this gig. Uh, I think I'm, I actually lost count of the episodes. Uh, I got it. Oh no. What? I, you I, keep a track so beautifully. Don't worry. I'll have it figured out in probably uh, <laughs> an hour or so. But explain to me, Sean Fennessy, how your beloved New York Mets with basically 17 guys on the injured list are in first place in the National League East. How how are they in first place? So one, I don't I I don't know. I'm not gonna I pretend to be a savant and I don't it. know. I, I don't have a a magic bullet answer here. I will say the game of baseball right now is going through this very weird non-offense convulsion. And teams with good starting pitching and strong bullpens are going to be successful. And the Mets have a lot of pitching. Two-fifths of their rotation is not healthy. It does not matter. They've got Taiwan Walker pitching incredibly well. They've got Marcus Stroman having a career year. And they've got Jacob deGrom doing Jacob deGrom stuff. On top of that, Edwin Diaz has been lights out in save situations. And the bullpen has been pretty solid. They looked rocky in that first week of the year. And otherwise, they've been terrific. The offense has been abominable. Absolutely the worst offense in baseball, plus all of these injuries now. Lindor has obviously been pretty much a disaster. And I, I say that as a fan of his and somebody who really hopes he turns it around soon. And obviously he got a home run yesterday, and hopefully that means something big is coming. But they have been terrible at the plate, and yet they played pretty good defense. They've pitched incredibly well. They're obviously a team that really likes each other. They've got great chemistry. Rojas has been not as weak a manager and in-game manager as I thought he was early in the year. So all in all, it's actually been a solid effort. Also, the NL East is terrible. I mean, the, the, the I terrible. can't believe it, Fantasy. I thought this was going to be a good division going into the year. Me too. The Braves have made me look really stupid because they've gotten off to a terrible start. I, for one, am not surprised with the Phillies because I think they're just way too top-heavy a team. Yeah. And I think that's kind of playing out. 
And the Nationals, I mean, they're at a point where they got Soto, they got Scherzer, and then they got a bunch of dudes who aren't that good. So you're at a point now where maybe they trade Max Scherzer come July 31st. The Mets, if they can remain in first place with all these guys on the shelf, they get everybody back, Fantasy. You got to like their chances to win this division. I do like their chances. You know, it's t- it was tough to see last week that McNeil and Conforto are basically out until late June. That's Those guys are really the the heartbeat of this lineup. You know, we're going to get Alonzo back. Seth Lugo's coming back this week. That's And huge. you're going to love having Lugo back. To me, huge. he's the most reliable reliever in the bullpen when he's there. Even 100%. though Diaz has done a good job, that's the guy. Sean Fennessey is not going to be like biting nails and pacing when Lugo comes in in a one-run game. Diaz, different story. No, Lugo in, in 18 and 19 was brilliant. And, you know, they've, they've gotten really good c- contributions from guys like May. Jury's Familia looks fixed. I mean, I, it's, he it's looks crazy to say he that. He looks but fit, too. He, he, he does. He fit, too. He's I been mean, really you know, he good. He's got his ass in his shape, and now he's throwing hard again. I mean, he really was Armando Benitez 2.0 for us for many years, and I still don't totally trust him, but I cannot believe how effective he's been so far. So you add Lugo to that bullpen, plus the, those starters that I talked about, and all of a sudden... I don't know. I mean, they're they're really really tough. Got teams, good hitting teams are having a hard time against them. So I like the mix. I just I I really need Lindor to, to just hit five hundred. Well, for, when does it get weeks. to a point with you with Lindor where you're like super nervous, super concerned, code red, code red? Are you there yet? No, it doesn't seem that way. I I'm not because one, he obviously is still playing Gold Glove caliber defense. Two, he he seems still like an enthusiastic you know, thoughtful guy and he's doing his best, but I don't know. This is pretty bad. And he had a pretty tough 2020 season. The numbers were trending down pretty significantly. And there is a feeling among some fans that maybe the league figured him out. And if the league figured him out and figured his swing out, then maybe we have a $340 million Ray Ordonez. I'm a little, a little, a little, a little nervous about it. Don't be a stranger. And if we're having a conversation on Friday, are you looking ahead to the rest of June for the Mets? Or are you looking ahead to a game six? I'm putting you on the spot right now. Will there be a game six in this series? I'm going to say yes. I like I need, that. I, I need to be optimistic. I'm not going to predict it, though, because <laughs> I thought the Knicks were going to win game four, and I couldn't look more wrong. So I um, kind of... I think I'm out of the prediction business for this series. Just if, if you were mean-spirited, you could screenshot the text I sent you that said, I'm predicting a game four bounce back for Julius Randle. And guess what? That I mean, you could not have the happen. same thing with me and Nixon six, and that's already done. <laughs> so, you know, both of us could get each other canceled in the sports world. You know, fantasy, <laughs> just saying. Just saying. Thanks for coming by. Uh, and keep up the good work. By the way, the Goodfellas Rewatchable got me through a drive from Atlantic City a couple of days ago. So, uh Hats off to you and the crew for that one. That was uh, that was top-notch entertainment. And by the way, how does Goodfellas not win Best Picture? You guys want to explain that to me? I, I I've tried so many times, man. I can't. I, we, I can't even. I can't go through it anymore. The Academy, they just don't see it in real time. They almost never see it in real time. But thank you for the support. Thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for having me on. Keep killing it, JJ. Sean Fantasy, our Nick Met Jet resident aficionado. We're back with more voicemails. The Net fan is giddy. The Met fan is giddy. The Yankee and the New York Knickerbocker fan, not so much. Come right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Wow. So I can't believe we're living in a world where Sean Fennessy is actually giddy about his first place New York Mets, and he should be. They're first place. They've had half the team on the injured list, and they're getting Alonzo, Lugo, and Ken Pilar back. And the division is not as good as I thought it was going to be. So can understand that giddiness. Wish I could say the same about my baseball team. I'm still kind of reeling from that, to be honest with you. 
from the Knicks, from the Yankees, from the weather. It's been, you know, that kind of weekend. So we'll see if you're having that kind of weekend. Voicemails, part two. They've been muy caliente. Let's see what's in store. Hey, JJ. Eric down in Florida. Uh, very rough weekend. I don't know what's worse. The Islanders' performance in game one, Julius Randle's continued rut against the Hawks, or the Yankees' just abominable performance against the Tigers this weekend. Uh, the only thing saving it is the birth of my first son. Love the pod. Take it easy. Keep it going. Well, there's some good news that we were looking for, Eric. Congratulations on your new arrival. Let me know the new arrival's name the next time you call. I'll send you a message. I'd love to uh, send some well wishes your way via video form. I mean, a podcast, I can do it, but I'd rather, you know, a video that your son could see, you know, 10 or 15 years down the road. Who's this crazy, tall, skinny guy yelling and screaming at me as I was consumed? Yeah, I want to do that for you. Giving it back to the people. Um, What am I more bummed out about? I think I'm more bummed about the Knicks. I think I'm more angry about the Yankees. I think that's the way I'd look at it. I'm more bummed about the Knicks because I'm kind of sad that the ride is coming to a close. I just don't know when that's going to be. It might be Wednesday. It might be Friday. This series is not going to end well. Unless you are a delusional homer. Unless you are a believer in the unexpected. This series is not going to end well. On the other hand, the Yankees, this is supposed to be a championship team. Anybody going to sit there and tell me this is a like a championship team two months to the year? You'd be kidding yourself. Who's up next? Hey, JJ. Mike from Monroe, New Jersey here. First time, very long time. I'm sorry the Knicks are one swift Trey Young kick in the ass from being booted from the playoffs, but playoff basketball in New York has just begun. The Nets made a statement tonight. And now they're going to close it out in game five, going back to Barclays, because I don't think Tatum has the dog in him to bring him back. The East is ours. Who says money can't buy happiness? Thanks, man. I'd be enjoying your team, too. When you have superstars that can pull like that in the NBA, it's fun to watch. Do I think the Nets are unlikable for a whole lot of fans around the NBA and for Knickerbocker fans? Absolutely. The talent of Durant and Irving and Harden is undeniable. It's undeniable. And Kyrie does himself no favors. Now listen, he didn't deserve what happened to him at the end of the game. It's despicable. But I'm watching this video of him basically stomping on the Shamrock after the game. I mean, dude, grow up. Would you please grow up a little bit? It's just like clownish behavior. I mean, it just does yourself absolutely no favors, okay? I, I, I don't need that. I don't need that. That's, that's, that's a tough sell for me. Doesn't excuse the behavior from the knucklehead fan who should never go to a Celtic game ever again, but uh, I don't need Kyrie Irving stomping on the Celtic logo. Not for me. Who's up next? Hey, how you doing, JJ? This is Conrad from West Milford. Long-time listener. I love what you're doing. I love the live takes after the Nick games, even though I'm not a Nick fan. It's awesome. Uh, I was calling today about the Mets and their hot streak. And for enough shit that I've given Louis Rojas and the rest of the fan base have given Louis Rojas, we got to give credit where credit is due. The job he's doing with all these injuries is unbelievable. Unbelievable right now. We're in first place. We have the biggest lead in any division. And um, I just want to know how you feel about it and how much credit do you give to Louie or how much credit do you give to the collaborative effort, as they say, with uh, upper management. Thank you. Love to hear your take. Conrad, appreciate it. I think it starts first with the Mets building a deeper team. The idea that they signed Taiwan Walker a few days before spring training, that's made a world of difference. Where would this team be without Taiwan Walker? I'll give you another guy who's been a godsend for the Mets. Where would the Mets be without Jonathan VR? Just let that sink in for a minute. Where would they be without these guys? That's the advantage you have with the new ownership. And I'm not looking to take away from Louis Rojas. Rojas has made some moves that to me have been questionable throughout the year. But when the team's playing better and you have half your team on the injury list and you're first place, you know what? You deserve a little bit of props. You deserve a little bit of credit. The construction of this team, though, now, they're playing with the big boys. This is what I talked about when the new ownership group came in. The fact that the Mets can have answers if indeed guys go down with injury 
We don't feel like this season is cooked because you signed VR and because you signed Taiwan Walker and you bring in other guys who can go a long way in helping you. That to me has been the difference in the Mets. They're not a top heavy type of team. They got answers, legitimate answers, even with serious, serious adversity. Who's up next? Hey, JJ, it's Tron from Long Island. Listen, really appreciate you taking the hockey call throughout the playoffs. Um, just watched the Islanders lose game one to the Bruins. Um, you know, it's a long series, but it's just so crazy how much different this feels losing game one as opposed to stealing that game one in Pittsburgh. Uh, tough game overall. I'm really curious to see how Sorokin responds to his first ever playoff loss in the NHL. Um, but, you know, I'm going to chalk it up to the Bruins having their first full house in well over a year. Crowd was into it. Would have been great for the to steal this one, but uh, not the end of the world. I'm really hoping uh, Matt Barzell sees the posture not performance tonight and knows that to be a key player on a championship team, you got to take over a game like that. I never thought I'd compare Matt Barzell to Julius Randle in my entire life, but uh, kind of the same situation. You know, the Hawks have Trey Young taking over as Randle kind of sits back. Not to say Barzell is in zero this series, but he's got to have a game like Pasternak had tonight if they're going to um, do some damage this series. But uh, hopefully we get a Monday. Come back to the Kali at 1-1, and we'll see what happens. Uh, thanks so much, JJ. Take care. All in all, I thought you had to be thrilled with what you got out of Sorokin. I don't care if the Bruins scored five goals. Sorokin kept you in that game for a good majority of two and a half periods. thought he made a couple of outstanding saves. I thought he stood on his head in a few occasions. The Bruins are a more explosive team. Much more explosive team. The Islanders are going to have to figure out a way to generate goal scoring. And that's where I think you hit on something that's very important. Barzell's supposed to be one of their best players. He's got to come through in this series. The Islanders did not give him much of a chance by a whole lot of people. Most expect Boston to get through this series. Most expect Boston to represent the East in the Stanley Cup this year. You could change that narrative with a winning game too. That's what the Islanders are going to have to try to do on Monday night. Right now, my general synopsis watching a game in this series, the Bruins look like the better team. We'll see if that continues to be the case. Who's up next? Hey, JJ. Alex in Brooklyn here. You know, just slowly processing just such a disappointing game four loss here. Um, I don't see many people talking about this, so, so I figured I'd give a call and check in. Look, there's no doubt that Tibbs elevated our team to a whole nother level and ingrained his personality on the culture of the team. However, this whole season I've been watching the Knicks, you know, when the game comes down to the final possession, it's time to draw up a play, just absolutely sputter on offense. And so now that we're in the playoffs and we're getting wrecked and I'm seeing Trey Young light us up on offense and every single time there's a play where he's a defender, he gets completely exposed. You got R.J. Barrett out here out-muscling guys. You get Trey Young switched on to Julius Randle, Julius Randle pulling up from 20 feet away from the basket. At some point, Tibbs either needs an offensive coordinator or needs to expose these matchups because I feel like there might be a talent gap between us and the Hawks, but we're also getting completely outcoached. And, you know, I, I, just, I just want to see somebody talk about it. I, I'm, I'm lost for words. Thanks. Tibbs is not going to get roasted by me on this show because of what he's done in the regular season. The Knicks needed a culture. He's come in. He's established a culture. I'm going to be respectful of that. He's not had a great series. The Knicks in general have not had a great series. And I think the biggest critique that I can find of Tom Thibodeau in this series is that they've been unable to exploit Trey Young defensively. Trey Young is not a good defender. He's doing whatever the hell he wants to do on offense. You gotta make him work on defense. Expose him. Go after him. Put him in pick and roll. These are the sort of things the Knicks need to do. Now, they don't have the guards to fully exploit Trey Young's lack of a defensive prowess the way some other teams will. The way you might see it in the next series against Philadelphia. The way you might see it in another series down the road. The Knicks don't have that sort of guard play. So I'm aware of that. But that has been hands down my biggest knock on Tibbs here in this series. Look, I think the fact that Tibbs got this roster and this team to 10 games over 500 is remarkable. But that has been my number one point of contention in watching these first four games. Got to go at Young defensively. Who's up next? 
JJ, what's up, brother? It's JK out in Sayville. Absolute bloodbath of a weekend between the Yankees getting swept uh, by the Tigers. And you got, of course, the Knicks going down to Atlanta and getting beat up pretty bad. Just want to put it all into perspective, though. We never expected to be here when this season started. The future's bright for the New York Knicks. We got Tibbs. It's a place where players are going to want to come and play now. Uh, we got great young talent. You know, we'll see what happens with Julius Randle. Obviously had a tough playoff, but just want to really, uh, you know, look on the bright side. We're getting another home game here in New York in the Garden. It's going to be rocking, and no matter what the outcome was, it was one hell of a season, and the future is bright. And as a Knicks fan, there's not much more you can ask for after going through the past 15 years or so. Appreciate you. Let's go, Knicks, baby. JK, I think that's good perspective. I really do. I didn't think the Knicks were going to be particularly good this year. I'm stunned they were a top four seed. I'm stunned they finished 10 games over 500. And I'm, in many ways, bummed. Not distraught. Not irate. Not to the point where I'm saying everything must go. This kind of a free series. Some are going to look at it that way because you haven't been in the playoffs in eight years. If you look at the talent of the Hawks and you look at the talent of the Knicks, and I underestimated the talent of the Hawks going in this series. And I know I'm probably going to get a few of these voicemails. I'm going to get a few of these calls when we do locker room probably on Wednesday or on Friday. JJ, you wanted Atlanta. You didn't want to play Miami. Listen, I'll take an L on that after what Miami gave you against Milwaukee, but be aware of the fact Miami the Knicks would have been a drastically different series than Miami taking on a team that's capable of winning an NBA title, okay? Miami might have been off all year. They would have possessed some serious problems and mismatched nightmares for the Knicks, too. Knicks haven't played well. Sometimes just got caught like it is. Knicks play lousy basketball in the first four games of this series. You hope that changes. I hope they show you a pulse in game five. I don't want to see the Knicks fan dejected to leave the Madison Square Garden. Give them a moment on Wednesday night. Get it back to Atlanta. That's got to be the rallying cry. Even though I don't think they're winning this series, even though I don't think they're winning three straight games, get it back to Atlanta. Starts at one. Speaking of one, we got one voicemail left. Who's on the horn? Hey, it's Tom from White Plains. First time, long time. The power move for the Yankees. Unfortunately, you're going to have to sacrifice Carlos Mendoza. It's not his fault. It'll send a clear message to everyone. Nobody's job is safe. You light a fire under these guys. You slide in Buck Showalter as the bench coach because Torrey never won a World Series unless Zimmer was in his ear. Love you, babe. I mean, at that rate, if you're bringing Buck Showalter in, he's not coming in to be a bench coach. Buck Showalter's coming in. He's coming in to manage a team. Now, I think some drastic change is necessary for the Yankees. If that's calling up Floreal at some point and put him in center field. Can't be any worse than what they currently have, which is the Gardner-Wade disaster. First base, they got a young kid slugging. He's red hot in AAA. I'd give him an opportunity. I'd see what he's capable of doing. These are like short-term, quick-fix type of moves. And it doesn't even get to the fact that come July 31st, Yankees need a couple of bats on this team. How they're going to do that and remain under that luxury tax threshold that's also important to them, I don't have the slightest idea. But it's something they're going to need to do if they want to be taken seriously as a championship contender. Their lineup is currently constructed. Not good enough. We're talking about the Knicks in the idea that they're not, quote-unquote, good enough. Never in a million years thought I'd be saying that about the Yankee lineup two months into the year. Look at the numbers. Look at the performance. All these games, three runs or less, at the bottom of the American League in a ton of offensive categories, it's no longer, oh, it's only such and such. I don't want to hear that anymore. It's two months into the year. Their offense has been a joke. And if it doesn't change, it's not going to be a happy September and October in the Bronx. Not for me, at least. So let's set the stage and get you aware of what you're going to see over the course of this week. It's going to be a fun week. I mean, these weeks, I'll say this, from an action standpoint, have been top-notch. We know the deal with the Knicks. Game five is on Wednesday. We will have a locker room show after the game on Wednesday. 
I hope we are doing one on Friday. Fingers crossed. I thought it'd be a given that we were doing a show on Friday. Now it's kind of up in the air because the Knicks have to be playing a game. So we'll see how that all shakes out. Nets, don't expect that series going beyond five games. We said that the minute the playoff bracket was unveiled, that it was going to be a four or five game series. Gentlemen's sweep will be over on Tuesday night. You could take that to the bank. Now, as far as the baseball, this is a gigantic week for the Yankees. In the American League East, four with Tampa, and then three with the Red Sox for the first time in 2021. The Yankees have played terribly in the American League East this year. That has got to change. That's got to be put to bed. you got to start winning games in the division. Now, you're going to have Cole going this week. That's great. You don't love the pitching matchup on Monday right out of the gate. Yankees have struggled with Rich Hill this year. I mean, they've struggled with just about everybody this year. Who weekend? Would I sign right now for four and three? I would. With the way the Yankees are swinging the bats, I would sign for four and three at the end of this week, which would probably be splitting the four against Tampa and winning two out of three against the Red Sox. I would take a four and three week. The Mets, they're out on the West Coast. Bunch of games with Arizona, who stinks. DeGrom should be all systems go. Mets actually dodged the bullet by not playing this game Sunday night. You don't need DeGrom out there in 48-degree temperatures. Uh, You just don't. Let him go pitch in Arizona where it's 75, 85 degrees. No issues, no problems, and against a terrible team. I'd feel a lot better about that. So you got that going on with the Mets. You got game two for the Islanders. And the NBA playoffs now have taken an interesting turn out west. The Lakers series, which looked beyond over after game three. Not so fast. For two reasons. One, the Anthony Davis subplot. If Anthony Davis is hurt, the Lakers are a drastically different team. I have no idea if he's going to be able to play game five. If he can't give it a go in game five, what does that mean for the Los Angeles Lakers? Can LeBron take on that mantle, that burden of responsibility like he once did in his old days with the Cleveland Cavaliers? He might need to. It might have to be a turn-back-the-clock type of deal for LeBron if the Lakers are getting out of round number one. That has become a fascinating dynamic combined with Chris Paul looking all sorts of spiffy. Chris Paul looked the best he has looked probably since game one. I love him saying after the game, you know, Monty Williams wanted me to sit or whatever. And I was like, hell no. That's super cool. That's why Chris Paul gets it. That's why he will always be a guy that I am very much in favor of rooting for. Chris Paul is one of those dudes. Gets it. So you got that subplot out West. The Denver-Portland series. Fascinating. Super, super fascinating. As that series returns, two games apiece. Nuggets won a game where Lillard was awful. And he smoked the Nuggets in game four. And that series price has shifted. Portland is back now to being a minus 140 favorite in the series, for what it's worth. And I thought the game the other night with Utah and Memphis, I was dialed into the game. I'm all alone. Had a couple of beverages. I'm enjoying myself. And I admit, I had a couple of bucks on the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies came storming back in that game. And I'm like, wow, Utah on the verge of being down two games to one. The way Utah responded, Mitchell in the end one, Gobert making big plays, hitting big shots. That was impressive to me. That was intestinal fortitude. And I'm kind of curious to see how Memphis responds now in game four. Kind of thinking that Utah might be the team that has the best chance, if it's not Phoenix, of taking down the Lakers. Really impressed by what I saw out of the Utah Jazz. Something I'm thinking about now as I formulate opinions for the next couple rounds. We got a ticket on the Sixers to win a title. Ticket on the Nets to win a title. Ticket on the Jazz to win a title. I got the Nets and the Sixers preseason. Jazz now, I've kind of come to the party a little bit late. But hey, 8-1, to I'm dancing if they make the NBA Finals. That's the hope. That's the prayer. And I'm going to be curmudgeon and root against Nets and Lakers. I know everybody in America wants it, which means I don't want it because I want to be a little different because I don't want to have to root for either one of those teams. Full disclosure. Let's send it off with a bang. He's ready to rock. The great Jeff Money. What's up, Money? 
What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper pick. It's going to be for tomorrow, Memorial Day, Monday the 31st, and for Tuesday, June 1st. I got two plays here. One, one for each uh, NBA uh, game. We got NBA games here. We got my first one. I'm going to take uh, tomorrow on Memorial. I'm going to take the 76ers minus seven and a half over the Wizards. I think they're going to finish out the series. I think the Wizards are done. And then for Tuesday, June 1st, I'm going to go with the Nuggets minus the one and a half over the Blades. I think that series is going to go seven games. So I think that it's going to be the Nuggets in that one. So again, two plays for you. Uh, for tomorrow, the 31st, Monday, we're going to go with the 76ers minus the 7.5. And, and for Tuesday, June 1st, we're going to take the Denver Nuggets minus the 1.5. And, and have a happy Memorial Day to everyone and you. And I'll uh, take it easy, JJ, and let's go. Jeff Money, all the best. Hope you're enjoying your weekend. I'm going to ride you with the Philadelphia 76ers. I think Washington is cooked. Too much energy exerted just to get themselves into the postseason. And Philly has taken no prisoners in these games. And Embiid has looked like an absolute monster. I think the Sixers wrap this series up on Monday. I'm heads up with you, though, in the Denver-Portland series. And I know I've been picking against Denver in every single one of these games. So why stop now? They're only a a one-and-a-half point favorite. I think Portland wins this series in six games. I think they get it done. I think it's a big Dame Lillard effort after an off night. When does that guy have two bad games in a row? So we're riding together on a play going heads up on another play. So here's the layout for the rest of the week. It's another busy week for us here at New York, New York. But that's how I like to rock. That's how I like to roll. We got a pot on Tuesday. Jerry Ferrara is going to join us. You know, he's a big-time Nick fan. He's been itching to get back on the pod, so he's going to be with us. Adam Shine, my old buddy. I interned for Adam Shine many moons ago, even though he's a national radio host, national TV guy. Bleeds New York sports. Big Nick guy. Big Yankee guy. Big Mellow guy. Big Beheim guy. So Shiner's going to join us. We got a locker room on Wednesday. We got a big podcast on Thursday. And I hope we have a locker room on Friday. So that's the layout for the week. You know how to hit us up. Twitter. Voicemails. In case you're wondering how to do that. Very simple, folks. Very, very simple. Here's what you do. Get on the horn. You say, you know what? Now's the time for me to call New York, New York. Whether it's your first time, your hundredth time, your thousandth time, doesn't matter. 917-382-1151. That's 917-382-1151. I expect you guys to be bringing the heat. We'll chat on Tuesday. I hope everybody enjoys their Memorial Day. Thanks to all the troops. You guys are the true heroes, not people like me. I'll be drowning away my Nick and Yankee sorrows. Enjoy the week, everybody. JJ out. Be good.